God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water team with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the waters teems, and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water and the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. 
and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he was doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work creating that he had done. Welcome to the Grow Too Amazing podcast, episode five. Uh, I meant for this originally to be a book review of the Bible, and but as I thought about it more and planned and and uh, uh, put my thoughts together in my head, I realized that there was absolutely no way that I could do this justice by calling it a book review. Uh, people spend years, uh, there's podcasts dedicated to just walking through different parts of the Bible and doing a much deeper dive on it and a much uh, more intensive review and overview of the meaning behind even individual verses, let alone the entire book. So uh, I, I decided to kind of shift focus a little bit and turn this into more of a discussion of my faith journey and kind of talk about where I've gone over my life and uh, with respect to my faith and the part the Bible has played in that and kind of d dig a little deeper into some of the verses that have helped me to find a deeper meaning in uh, in the Bible itself. So that's not to say that there uh, aren't going to be big sections of the Bible that are critically important to me and that I read every, every day or close to every day, um, but I'm just going to hit the the highlights of of uh, of the Bible according to my current you know where I'm at right now and and sorry like I said just kind of give some of the most important verses that have helped me when times have been tough and when I've needed uh, his support more than ever so I'm going to pray first and and uh, then we'll get kind of kind of do a walk through my faith journey I guess so. Lord, just help me to uh, get out of the way here a little bit today and to let your words come through, to uh, let uh, let you speak through me where, where needed, to let my faith journey come out in a way that's, that's meaningful and helpful and clear and concise and, and understandable to those who are looking for, uh, looking for an understanding of faith and an understanding of you help your words to come through and just uh, uh, take that responsibility off my shoulders and put it on yours and just help me to be a, a, a good conduit to the words that you'd like to be able to pass through to the people listening to this podcast and to anybody struggling right now. I would just ask you to be there for them, uh, to be there for me, to give me the right words and to help me understand uh, where, where I'm taking this podcast and where I'm taking this episode. So uh, thank you. And I lift this all up in your name. Amen. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is Tony Mays. I'm your host. This is episode number five, like I mentioned. Uh, I hope you've taken a look at some of the earlier episodes. I wanted to touch on my faith early in the podcast, uh, just because it's it's the podcast is not necessarily faith-centered, but it is an important part of it. I'm going to have a couple of my pastors on, hopefully. Uh, I've already got one lined up for episode eight, I believe. So uh, that's coming. But it is definitely 
my life has changed in the last five years with respect to my faith. And so I wanted to make sure that I touched on that because it's been instrumental to me turning around certain things in my life and being able to make uh, uh, my life go a direction that I wanted it to go and that, that I feel blessed to be taking that direction. So so I'm kind of alternating episodes at this point with the podcast where I'm doing, you know, quote unquote book reviews, um, deep dives into books that have had meaning for me or that I've come across that, that are important and from my perspective. Uh, and then I'm also doing interviews with people and that's, uh, that will be the next one will be an interview with a USA Today bestselling author. So I hope you can make that one as well. So I am 51 years old. I have had some level of faith my entire life. We'll kind of do a deep dive into that in a second here, but I am attending a evangelical Christian church at the moment called First Free Church in Alaska. It has been absolutely instrumental in my faith growth and, and faith revival. And I think the pastors at the church would be the first to say that you know, it was God, it was, uh, you know, my, me opening my heart up to him and making myself available to him to do his work. But without that church, uh, we wouldn't be doing this today and I wouldn't be having this discussion and I wouldn't have had the faith journey that I've had. So, you know, that church has been, I can't, you know, I, I, I just can't say enough good things about it. So, you know, I may, <laughs> I may get a little emotional at times today. I can't help it. Um, but, uh, but I'm going to do my best to work through all this. So the topic of the day, we're going to go through some of the important verses in the Bible. It's the NIV translation. So that's the, the version that I'm going off of right now. So why talk about the Bible? Why talk about my faith. Um, I think it's, like I said, it's because it's been so instrumental to my journey these last five years and truly finding what happiness and peace meant to me in my life. Uh, that didn't really happen until I walked this faith journey. I, I felt like I had to go down that road and kind of open things up a little bit about where I've gone. My faith history started, I, I grew up Catholic. You know, I did the usual things that a Catholic kid does. I went to CCD on Sundays. Uh, when I got older, I went to Wednesday night confirmation classes. I did all the sacraments. We attended church. I can't say that I was a, you know, shining example of a faith-based teenager. Um, you know, we did pray around the house some. I had some Bible kids books that I read you know, extensively when I was a kid, but I was a little more, I, even then I was, I was probably more worldly concerned or had more concerns that were worldly based in terms of getting a job, getting money, you know, those kinds of things. And, you know, faith was not first on my list. It, you know, I didn't feel like I had a personal relationship with God. I think I felt his presence at times uh, in church and, but I didn't open myself up to being close to him. I don't know that we talked about that a whole lot being Catholic. I don't know that it's stressed. And I do want to say this before I go any further. And I, while I'm not a practicing Catholic anymore, there's a lot of my family that, that still is. I 
completely respect the Catholic faith and appreciate everything that it's given me and given my family and just the faith basis for billions of people around the world. And I have lots of friends that are Catholic as well that are that get their faith fulfillment and my family that gets their faith fulfillment from the Catholic faith. And so I am not trying to denigrate or talk down or anything, say anything negative about the Catholic faith. That is, that's not why I'm doing this either. So please don't take it that way. It's, it just, my path to faith went a different direction. And I, and I hope everyone listening that is Catholic can respect that and just understand that there was a lot of struggle in my life leading up to the point I mean, I still have struggles today, so I can't say that I'm, you know, there's no way that I'm perfect, and we'll talk about that um, as well. But I am not trying to to make any aspersions on the Catholic faith at all. So I'm just trying to recount my faith journey, warts and all, and I I hope that that can be taken in the spirit that it's being offered. So, but I was kind of drifting in and out of faith when I was growing up. And after, you know, during college, I didn't really attend church. Uh, I was kind of too concerned with school and parties and, you know, marching band was a big activity for, for us while I was in college. Lots of other activities like that, but a lot of it was centered around, you know, kind of partying and having a good time and, and things like that. And so unfortunately, I did not really develop my faith then, um, probably despite the best prayers of my mom and dad and, and, uh, uh, but that's kind of the way it went. So, you know, I finally found my current church and my current faith at 45, pretty much right when I needed it most. So um, it was there and it was such a complete blessing to, to find that journey. Um, it's been absolute, you know, it's been absolutely a blessing for me. So I, my, both of my marriages, so I've been married, divorced, married again, um, were done in the Catholic Church and were done appropriately and had an annulment after my first marriage, you know, according to church guidelines and everything. Um, So, you know, we, I, there were definite times in my life when I dedicated myself to being a good Catholic and, and trying to understand how I could build a stronger faith life in the Catholic church. Um, Unfortunately, you know, I didn't have the right community around me, I don't think, you know, or I didn't reach out or I didn't find the right group of guys to hang with or something because I never felt like there was a way for me to understand how to build my faith stronger. And, you know, maybe that's on me. I don't know. Um, But the way I felt at the Catholic church, I definitely felt a connection to God there and through the sacraments and through mass, it was just very hard for me to understand how to take that home and, and translate that into a personal relationship with God. That kind of a personal relationship was really tough to come by and was really um, something that I struggled with. And I think that's what ended up causing, you know, my, my off and on, you know, my kind of wave of getting closer to the church, drifting away, getting closer, drifting away. And when my current wife, Jill and I, 
you know, started dating, her Catholic faith, faith was very strong as well. You know, we attended church religiously together. Um, we went to all of the holy days. We did, you know, all of that together. Our first two children together were baptized Catholic. And so, you know, we really dove deep into our faith journey together because we were both struggling and we both needed our faith to be able to kind of buttress our, you know, uh, the rest of our lives and to be able to make us, you know, help us out. We just wanted to know God better. But at the same time, we both felt, uh, you know, that there was something lacking. I think Jill came to that conclusion before I did. She had attended a church service at her mother's church that was more of an evangelical type church approach and felt a closer connect connection to God at that church and got me to try to go to first free church. You know, the first few times we went there, we actually would go to first free. And then at my insistence, we'd also go to the Catholic service later that day. And there was just from both of our perspectives, once I opened my heart enough to admit it, there was no comparison between those two between between the two churches we both felt a strong calling and just a strong connection and we felt like we'd found our new faith home you know there there was nothing harder than telling my family that i was not a practicing catholic anymore that i was going to a different church and it, you know to me it's to me it is still the same christian faith i mean i we worship the same god from our my perspective you know, we go to the same heaven, we go, we read the same Bible, we, you know, everything is still the same. I am just not practicing the Catholic version of the Christian faith. I don't know. I, I'm going to let them have their own judgment and, you know, they can, they can have their own perspective on it and they do have their own perspective on it and I respect it completely. Uh, that's just not my journey. So, you know, we found our faith home there right at the time when we needed it most and uh, that's that's about all I got to say about that. So, where has the Bible been for that? And and you know, reading, learning helps me bring helps bring me closer to God. It's His Word. It's His God breathed words into those who wrote it. I you know I am not going to dive deep into a lot of theological opinions and things like that on that. There's certainly plenty of resources out there, but this is God's Word breathe through the people that uh, wrote it down, that uh, put it on, on paper and uh, brought it to us to this day. So uh, it's how we attempt to understand God's desires for humanity, you know, how he wants us to live, to uh, worship him, to uh, live our lives in a way that pleases him and in a, in a, and in a way that keeps pain from our own lives. So how do we, re how do we reduce the amount of pain that we carry in our own life? And that's really, you know, the goal of the Bible is to, you know, find love, to find happiness, to find peace, and to do that with God as the foundation of what we do. There's always something new to learn there. Every time I read the Bible, even if it's a section I've read 25 times, uh, depending on what day it is, I can find something new and find something that uh, uh, different to, to explore in any particular verse. And oftentimes I'll read it. And if there's something I'm struggling on, uh, 
a passage will just jump out at me and and I'll spend the entire time with one passage of text and that kind of thing just amazes me when it happens so uh, you know, I've taken a class on the New Testament and it was great. It was, you know, a one semester class. It was just way too quick and not deep enough, even for a semester long class. So, I mean, there's people that spend their entire lives studying the New Testament and I can appreciate that. I just, you know, uh, and so I think that's that kind of class and that those kind of books that I've started to look into really help to understand the the depth and breadth of the Bible and, you know, help to set it in a historical context as well. And, you know, I think people think because the Bible was written 2000 years ago that there there's no comparison between today's society and what was going on when the Bible was written. And I don't think that that could be further from the truth just based off of some of the study that I've done. Times were in an upheaval 2000 years ago as well. There was a lot of godless society, you know, living day to day, trying, trying to make themselves happy, doing whatever they wanted, uh, different faiths competing for uh, people's attention, whether it be the Romans uh, with, you know, the Roman gods and goddesses, Greek gods and goddesses, uh, all kinds of, you know, hundreds and thousands of different faiths trying to compete for people's attention. And Christianity was just one of those back then. So that faith had to grow out of an environment of you know, the Jewish faith foundation, uh, and then moving on into its own, you know, perspective and own view of, of how God wanted us to live. So, so I'm not going to set any records interpreting the Bible. Uh, there's no way I can cover all of it or even a goodly portion of it. And I am not a Bible theologian by any means. I am still learning. I'm still, you know, taking this one step at a time, but I'm going to point out a few areas of scripture that are important to me. Um, I am going to make mistakes as well. So, you know, I would ask you to have patience with me. If there's something you'd like to discuss about what I say in here, you know, please feel free to con contact me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You know, I am available. I am happy to discuss what I talk about faith-wise in here and go through, you know, any you know, any questions you might have, any discussions you want to have, any difficulties you're facing, facing, in, facing in your life, I'd be happy to pray with you and for you and just help you to understand things, uh, you know, what's going on in your life and how God could help you make it better. So I haven't even, you know, I haven't really put my faith out there a lot uh, anywhere. I've done, put some up on Facebook, but I don't, you know, I don't try to beat people over the head with it. Um, it's not, a, that's not what it is to me. It's not a sounding board to judge, judge, judge other people with. And that's one of the things I wanted to make sure that I talked about in here is that there's a lot of discussion out there right now about, you know, Christianity and how it's, I don't even know the right way to say this, but how the more fundamental aspects of, of this are about how people I think have misinterpreted to a certain extent to use it to judge people for their perspective or their actions that they're taking. And, you know, there certainly is sin. I'm not, you know, there definitely is sin and I sin every day. I make mistakes every day in things that I do, whether it be how I talk to my kids, how I talk to myself, how I, you know, how I treat my wife, um, you know, mistakes I make there. But 
the important part of that is, you know, that I'm recognizing the mistakes that I'm doing and that I'm trying to focus on making myself better every day and not making the same mistakes twice where I can and that I'm not judging others for the mistakes that they make. Everybody has their own path. Everyone has their own sin. So who am I, you know, who am I to say what their sin is? You know, the, the Bible has opinions on certain things that are sin versus not sin. And there's, you know, according to who you talk to, there's gray areas, there's positive areas. I'm not going to focus on sin with this podcast because, you know, that's, that's a path that I'm just not going to go down because I could be judged just as much as anybody else out there for the mistakes I've made in my life. You know, I've hinted at, at difficulties with pornography. I've, you know, I've been divorced and remarried. So there's certainly plenty of sin to go around in, in the path that I've walked in my life. So it is not my path to judge other people for what they do with their life, or at least I try not to. I mean, <laughs> I'm not perfect there either. And I know that I, I do make snap judgments on people and, and at times, and, but I try not to let that color my interaction with people. And I try not to let it, you know, Christianity to me is a faith of love and acceptance and grace. And if anything that I've learned over the last five years is that I can have a lot more grace for others and I can have a lot more grace for myself and peace in my heart and just be there for others in their times of struggle rather than trying to judge them and put them down and make them into something that they're not or judge them for being something that they're not. Because none of us are going to measure up to the greatness of God. We never ever will. There's only one person that's ever been been cl close to that, and they nailed him to a cross. So, so that's I guess that's probably, you know, um, I guess the words I had in my notes is a justification for treating others with contempt, and that is definitely not my faith either. You know, we are supposed to love one another. I'm going to put a link in the podcast here to one of my the head pastor's sermons at our church, Shane Holden. I'll probably tag him in this as well, but it is from January 10th of 2021 on Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, about loving one another and the basis for our faith. And Shane says it in so much more uh, uh, better depth than I could ever hope to. You know, unfortunately, in today's world, and I'm sure this is true at any time, each individual's definition of love is different. You know, there's a lot of people that are kind of tough love proponents that, you know, think people need to learn through making mistakes and that we have to let them make mistakes and that, you know, we have to tell them when they're wrong and we have to prove that they're wrong and things like that. And some people want to be given everything and they don't want to have to work and they don't want to have to be, they don't want to have to struggle. They just want to be given everything that they've got. That's not my perspective that I try to take is that you've got to work to earn uh, a living for your family. You've got to work and work hard at your faith, at your family. You know, there's nothing that is given to you for free. God can help you, support you, and be there for you through all of it. You know, there's kind of an old saying about God helps those who help themselves. I don't 
necessarily believe that. And I think I'm still working through that. You know, there are blessings from God that come down. You know, we've, we've, my wife and I have definitely been the recipient of both or not of both of, of his blessings at times in our lives and, and are blessed every day with the life that we live. We have four wonderful boys that we cherish with all of our hearts. We have a great marriage that we, but that marriage you know, that family, that all takes work. That is nothing that comes, you know, easy. And a lot of times we can't do it without God's help. We, you know, we have to lean on him. We have to let go. We have to let him take over and let him be the one to to guide us as we make decisions, as we make commitments, as we make our path through the world. The main theme of our church at First Free is come as you are. And I think that that's an important thing to talk about here as well, is that you don't have to be, you don't have to have all your stuff together to come to God. Definitely, you know, no way is that the case. You should bring all your junk to him the first time that you come to Christ. And, and because what's, how do I want to say this? I mean, it's, it's, if, if we all had to fix ourselves before we came to Christ, there wouldn't be anybody in church. So if there's anybody that tries to act like they've got it all together, like they, you know, and our senior pastor of our church will be the first to admit it, that, you know, he's sin, you know, he sins on a daily basis. We all do. We all have junk in our trunk that we have to clean up, but you don't have to be fixed to come to Christ. Um, your job with Christianity is to come to God with an open heart, an open mind, and an, and an open soul, you know, lay out your weaknesses, lay out yourself to him, and then, you know, see where things go from there. You know, we're going to touch today. I don't know. I, sorry, I, th I don't know that I finished my thought there. <sighs> Just come and talk to him. I guess is, is what I'm going to tell you. If you need someone to pray for you, I'm happy to do that. If you need, there's, there's a great community at First Free. Uh, the church we go to with my in-laws right now in Manchester, Iowa is the Stone Church. And there's a great community there as well. Find a church in your community that you feel welcome, that has a faith basis that you, that you can agree with. Dive in, open your heart, open your soul and open your mind to the possibilities that it can give you. So for those that don't know, I mean, there's two main areas of the Bible, the Old Testament, the time before Christ, the formation of the Jewish nation, the formation of the world. Uh, it, it has all of the great heroes before Christ. So Adam, Abraham, Moses, David, Joshua, Elijah, Ruth, uh, uh, so many others uh, that I can't even name them all. So I'm not going to try to dive through and walk through every book of the Bible. I'd probably put people to sleep and I'd probably, you know, lose half the people watching this podcast. The thing to point out, though, is that many of those great heroes, and I'm thinking of David, Saul, uh, even Abraham and, and, that, and Moses and, and Adam committed the, you know, the first great sin. They're deeply flawed, but their love of God sustained them. Part of being flawed is coming to God and asking for forgiveness as well. None of these people, and David talks about it in, in his Psalms. He talks about it in the books dealing with his reign and recording his reign. 
you know, David was a deeply flawed person. And I think he would be the first to admit it, that he had weaknesses, that he sinned grievously. He had soldiers under his command murdered. He had, um, so that he could marry their wife. He could, you know, he sinned in many and different ways. But the important part is that he always recognized his sin and turned back, turned toward God rather than turning away from God. And there's plenty of other examples in the Bible of when the Jewish people turned away from God and walked away from, from him in, t- in times when they sinned. And it took either correction from God or it took a strong personality like a David to bring the people back and bring them to a strong version of faith today. The Old Testament is kind of the fire and brimstone God, kind of a reward and punishment, a eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth type God. And that's not the God that I believe in today. And and that's where the New Testament comes in because when Christ came to the world, that's when that's when things changed. It was the formation of the Christian church, but it was also the transition from that old fire and brimstone God to to I think you know, my belief where God really wanted to be, where he opened himself and opened us up by Christ going on the cross to having a personal relationship with each of us, by redeeming each of us and standing and allowing Christ to stand in our presence, to stand in our, in front of us when being judged for sin. The New Testament chronicles Jesus's life in the Gospels, the time shortly after in the Acts of the Apostles, and then uh, the years after a while as Apostles began building the church around the Roman Empire. So there's there's many parts of the New, New Testament that are still applicable today, as far as Ephesus, the Philippians, uh, Corinthians, those societies, like I mentioned a while back, they were struggling as well. I mean, they were very worldly societies for their time. They had a lot of, you know, competition for people's attentions in terms of debauchery and and drinking. The New Testament, I think, is obviously still applicable today. There's many places where people are able to pull out life lessons from uh, both the New and the Old Testaments about to help them on their faith journey. I'm, I, you know, I completely do not dismiss the Old Testament, whatever. I'm actually reading in the Psalms right now as part of my daily faith journey. And our, and our church regularly bounces back to uh, the Old Testament for sermons. And, you know, we tend to, the church tends to walk through an entire book of the Bible at a time and kind of break it down in depth as we go. So a couple of verses a week, uh, maybe a chapter a week or something like that at the most, but we'll touch, they'll touch back and forth between Old Testament, New Testament, and kind of walk through different parts that way. So I think that they definitely still apply today. It's you have to take the perspective of, I've got something, something to learn here. I've got to open my heart up and, and take something from it. I think that's about what I've got to say on that. I'd like to kind of go through a few of my favorite chapters, Proverbs, the Psalms. I'm going to just start in the Psalms a little bit. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. 
You save the humble, but bring low those who I, those whose eyes are haughty. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Things like that just kind of make you think, you know, God can, God is there to help you bring that darkness into light, to help you walk that journey and to be there for you when times are tough. But God also can change his perspective to be what he needs to be for different different people to be a different perspective for them to touch them where they need to be touched and i think that's that was critical to me to understand is that you know god is god he's unchanging he's infinite he's amazing but he can also show me something when i'm in a certain perspective in my life he can just change himself to be what i need him to be at that time and be there for me in my struggles but who can discern their own errors? Forgive me my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar in foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. And heading over into Proverbs a little bit. And I think what I like about Proverbs is it's, is it's more a way of kind of kicking you into motion a little bit and getting you to do things and life lessons all kinds of using the wisdom of Solomon to help you out to grow and understand. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. So let me talk about that for just a second. I mean, this podcast is not my full-time job, obviously. I mean, this is something I'm doing just for the fun of it. I'm doing this. I started this recording 5.30 in the morning so I could get it done and get it done before the boys get up, get it done before having to get breakfast and and go to work and that's kind of my morning routine now and it wasn't always that way there's lots of times when I'd be my oldest would be getting ready for high school and I'd still be in bed and might get up might not before he left for school and so I didn't get up and seize the day and get a morning routine done where I was ready and raring to go and and getting a workout in getting uh, getting some faith time getting book studies of various kinds in or uh, having discussions with my wife and just getting up and getting moving. And I think that has been one of the big changes as well for me is just, you know, we only have so much time in this world. And while I look forward to the blessing of heaven, when it's my time, I want to seize the day today. 
So to do that, I got to get up in the morning. I have three young boys now. My oldest is off to college. God bless you, Adam. If I want time to myself, I've got to make it. And that means that I've got to get up in the morning. I've got to do things like this at times that I might not normally want to, but I want to get this done. I want to get this episode out there for anyone who might be struggling and to help you find uh, your path in the world. There are six six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So tell me that's not applicable to today. I could keep going. I could read all of Proverbs right now, and we'd find millions of places that were still applicable today. But for now, I am going to head over to the Gospel of Luke and just read a little bit out of chapter 6, verses 27 and so on. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without, ex- without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. I don't know. I'm not going to try to add something to that other than just to say, I think in today's climate, 2021, in the midst of all the political strife and division today, I think we would do well to go back to those verses and find some forgiveness and understanding in this world. I think people today are too focused on what the left did wrong or what the right did wrong and not enough focused on how can we love each other better and help each other out to make this a better place. Yes, we can all have different perspectives on that and we need to respect each other's perspectives. There are a lot of people that that can't stand that I'm reading out of a Bible right now and that sucks. But I forgive them for that perspective and I try to understand that their perspective is different. I don't hate them for their perspective. I try not to judge them for that perspective but I try to understand where they're coming from so that we can try and find some kind of understanding so they can, you know, hopefully we can have a discussion on my faith. Hopefully we can have a discussion on what that faith means to me. Do I want to bring them to faith? Yes, I do. So that might be part of my discussion is helping to understand why they don't have faith in their life. But 
if they choose not to come to God, hopefully maybe I planted a seed, they'll come back again someday, but I'm not going to judge them for not having a faith life. I'm just going to pray for them and hope that someday that can come through. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. God certainly knows, and, uh, you know, I've talked with a lot of my family and friends about a lot of my struggles over the years. You will hear more about that in here as well over time, just some of the issues with ego and personal struggles and being lazy and things like that, that I've had over the years, but I have tried not to have evil live in my heart. Maybe weakness has lived in my heart and that that weakness has come out at a lot of times, but I'm trying to fill my heart with good these days by praying, by laughing, by spending time with my family and being strong and, and grateful for the things that I do. That's just part of my journey, I guess. Let's hop over to Romans. So I just switched over. I guess I was in the Gospel of Luke. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my, and this is the Apostle Paul talking in a letter that he's writing to the Romans. There was not a greater, there is not a greater example of the faith outside of Jesus than, than Paul. A true sinner brought to light with Jesus and, and finding his faith. So this is just him recapturing some of his thoughts as an example to the Romans of, of how they should live their lives. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. So there is now no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So even if we feel caught up in sin, even if we know we're caught up in sin, there is a way out. We don't have to live in perpetual sin and die to the Lord. Our faith can still bring us out. God is always there for us. He can always forgive us. He always does forgive us if we come to him and ask for forgiveness and, and let him work within our lives. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. And I think that's something definitely that I've found over these last five years. And that's probably the most important part of my faith journey and and the lessons that I've learned these last five years is taking my focus off of things of the flesh, you know, buying a bigger house, getting a better car, getting all of these things that don't really mean anything in the end and just going to him and realizing that I don't need anything outside of God to make me happy. 
that I am complete as a person from his love, that I don't need to search for justification or validation in what kind of clothes I wear, what kind of how nice my yard looks, um, the, the approval of my neighbors or friends or, or any of that, coworkers, that I don't need my wife to pat me on the back to make me feel loved. That stuff is nice, but I certainly appreciate that. And, and I do need the love of my wife and I want the love of my family and friends and, and all of that. So don't let me say that that's not important, uh, that, I, that I don't need any of that or that I don't want any of that. Absolutely, I want their love. But it doesn't, I, I found my love in God first. So that my relationship with God is number one. And everything else stems from that. So if I'm not complete who I am as an individual, then how can I expect myself to, to, to commit fully to a relationship with my wife? How can I expect myself to be complete in a marriage and be able to fully give my weight to it, to find peace in my heart with what I do at work, with, with how I interact with my coworkers? How can I expect any of that to work if I'm not okay within myself? And I think that's where I struggled for a long time is that I never felt I was good enough either for God or for myself and let my ego get in the way and my lack of love for myself get in the way of feeling complete and accepted. Let's head over to Romans 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And I can keep going. Be careful what to do, what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, which is a way of giving him a blessing and giving, making an offering to the Lord. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And one of my favorite parts is Ephesians 6.10 and beyond. This really hit me in some of my struggles uh, as far as, especially with, on the pornography side and dealing with my weaknesses and ego and just desire for things. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And he restates, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist 
with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So, and that's what I try to do on a daily basis is put on that armor to be strong, to open myself up to his blessings, but to wrap myself in his love, basically, is the way I envision it. So it talks about righteousness in there. That is not judgment. That is not, that is feeling the love and courageousness that God gives us to do the things we need to do to help our families live a better life, to live an upright life that is pleasing in his eyes. So a life of forgiveness, a life of grace, a life of love. So let's go over to Philippians. I'm probably saying a lot of verses that people know by heart that are watching this, and that's great if it is. But if not, um, I hope that some of this, obviously these are, I'm cherry picking 20 verses out of thousands of pages of the Bible. There are so many lessons to learn that I can't even touch today. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And I can't tell you how many times I've used that verse to bring me through something tough. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It might be a mantra. It might be silly, you know, from somebody's perspective. But it, but for me, it's a reminder when I when nothing else is working that I can make it through this with his strength that my strength is not enough, that I need to lean on him, that I need to listen to him and, and let him into my life and let go of self-recrimination, of self-hatred, of self-doubt, and let the love from him flow. And that's probably the biggest change for me is feeling that close personal connection with God these last five years. I don't think I ever felt that before to the degree I do now through the worship music that our church has, through our pastor, but it has just opened my heart to him and made it accessible to him. You know, how has this changed various parts of my life? I've talked about some of that over the course of this podcast. Uh, what has it changed for my home life? It has enabled greater patience and grace for my children. It has helped me to just look at them with more love in my eyes and more grace and more patience when I'm getting asked the same question 25 times when Michael is delaying going to bed for the 36th day in a row when he gets up seven times within the first half hour I'm not yelling at him well ever I mean I still I still sin and I still make mistakes but I try to have patience and grace in my heart and 
reflect that to my children and live it in every part of my life. I am the physical manifestation of God for my children in a way, and so they can understand our Father through how I lead and teach them. So if I'm always yelling, if I'm always, you know, cracking the whip on them, does that teach them the best example of how God wants us to live our lives? In my opinion, I don't think so. I think God is a loving father who wants there to be with, you know, to be a close relationship full of grace and love. Uh, that's not to say that there's not rules, that there's not guidelines for the boys to follow, that there's things that they need to do, chores that they're expected to do. There's, there's expectations on them for proper behavior and things like that. But that's how we teach them. That's how we help them to grow in their faith. So it's talking about God every day. We're reading from their kid's Bible every night. Uh, lots of times we're talking, having conversations with them about God every day. And just God is part of our life. Every day we're doing something, whether it's thanking God in the morning for the snuggles we get when the boys get up, something along those lines, those kinds of things, letting our boys see that we have a personal relationship with God and letting them start to build one too. It is also from my marriage. I can't emphasize enough the difference that it's meant to me in my marriage. And, um, You know, my wife is uh, as much of a saint as anybody that I've ever known, and just her love and forgiveness and and patience with me as I've walked this faith journey and dealt with some of the things that I've dealt with and things that I still continue to struggle with. Um, to this day, there's still times that we that we have struggles but our faith is what brings us through it our love for each other and our love for god and our love of ourselves that we're willing to have grace and patience with each other because we've been given grace and patience by god this whole faith journey that we've been on has taken our marriage to a completely different level and i am so grateful and thankful for that and as we approach our 10th anniversary this summer, I would, you know, I can't thank my wife enough for the absolute blessing that she has been in my life. So, so my work life, what does the Bible chain for me there? I actually took a class through church on that. Work as worship was the title of the class. And this was part of my faith journey, I think, was bringing God into every part of my day and every part of my life and talking to him on a constant, regular, not constant, on a regular basis and making sure that I brought my faith to everything that I do. And so that obviously meant things had to change to an extent with work. It's not that I wasn't being a good guy, that I wasn't working hard with others. It was more that there were times that thoughts in my head and the words out of my mouth and actions that I took weren't necessarily Christian or graceful or loving of my coworkers or the customers that we work with. Or, you know, I just didn't have a lot of patience, I don't think, or a lot of grace for 
things that other people would say. And I took some of that into work. So I think it has definitely changed. I brought a sense of peace into what I do. I try not to get too excited about things, although that doesn't always happen the way I want it to. But I try to just treat them with a sense of calm and a sense of grace and a sense of love. And I just approach my job as a blessing every day that I've got it. Life is definitely a blessing and just brought a better sense of contentment into what I do on a daily basis. I just ask you to explore that and think about how applying your faith there might help you have a better experience and a, and a more fulfilling experience with work where you don't get off work one day and you're completely frustrated and, and ready to throw in the towel. Applying it to myself, I am my harshest critic without question. So it's giving grace to myself, being patient with myself, but also realizing what my shortcomings are. Where are my areas of sin? My tolerance for others, porn habit that I used to, to struggle with. I got to bring all those cockroaches out into the light and just let God see it. And when I did that, when I realized that God loved me despite all of those, that I could still be honest about all those things in my closet my lack of patience with my kids, my anger at times, my, my self-recrimination, my depression, my, it, I could go on and on and on, but it has opened up a whole new world to me of love and acceptance and grace. And there's, that has to be first applied to yourself before you can apply it to others. That's about all, you know, I can really say there. You've got to have that personal relationship with God before you can take it further than that. The next section I had here, I guess, proselytizing to others. Your choices are your choices. If you're a friend of mine, if you're someone I meet, I am going to do my darndest not to judge you for your choices. And that's one of my struggles probably as well. But I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to hope that you're going to find a better path to be on if if you're struggling with drinking too much, if you're struggling with drugs, or if you're struggling with how you treat your kids or your wife, or you struggle with anger, I am there to pray for you, but you also have your choices. So God might forgive you. That doesn't mean there aren't earthly consequences to your actions. Do you have to be Christian to be changed or to act in a Christian manner? No, you, 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 you can improve yourself, obviously, without being Christian. There's lots of people that do it. To have that faith journey to, you know, go to heaven when you die, you know, those kinds of things, it, you, need, you need to know God. And But you also can know that God loves you unconditionally, no matter your faults. Um, I find it a lot easier to reconcile the pain of life with God in there and with God to lean on and with God to be there for me. Definitely, you can be a good person with or without God in your life. I find it a lot easier to lean on him and have him as a part of my life over the course of this journey. Consistency over time. I think that's been the biggest one for me is that these last five years have been truly amazing in terms of my feeling my faith grow over time consistently. In the beginning, five years ago, it was leaps and bounds. It was revelations. It was finding him and finding forgiveness, finding grace, realizing something in the middle of the night, breaking down and crying. And as I came to 
know that I was forgiven and that I was loved despite all of my faults. But it's been a consistent journey. And but that takes work as well. I mean, I'm, it's not just happening because it hap- it's happening because I've accepted God and I'm going to a new church. It's not that at all. I put a lot of work into this too, and I work at it every day. It's not work, quote unquote, but it is a way of practicing my faith that takes effort. I guess maybe that's a better way to put it, is that I'm doing daily effort to get closer to him. And that's how it happens, is that it adds up year after, day after day, year after year. So it's things like um, taking classes. I've taken several classes, like an alpha class for, for, to help understand the beginnings of, of my faith and, and come closer to God. We used to have a class called Discipleship Community at uh, church as well to help those growing stronger in their faith. And, and I've done that a couple times. Uh, I've taken other classes and other group studies and walked that faith journey by practicing it. And that means getting engaged, getting involved. And fortunately, I'm, we were completely blessed during that journey to have our church there for us with the resources uh, that are available to us. So the limits of my faith is that I am not, I'm not one to judge. I still sin every day. I still make mistakes. I still have weaknesses. And the limits of my faith are that I don't know. I, this is a lifelong journey. It's not something that I'm getting right today. Again, I've talked about this more than once today is that I'm not going to judge somebody for their faith journey or their lack of it. I'm just going to pray for them and I'm going to extend them grace and hope. And I hope that you'll do the same. My challenge for the week would be to ask you, I guess I'm kind of starting to wrap this up a little bit now. My challenge for the week would be to give the Bible 10 minutes per day, first thing in the morning, every day for a week. And and start, if you've never read the, the Bible, start in the Gospel of John. Maybe, you know, give it 10 minutes a day and see see what you think. I You could start in Genesis, where I started today. Uh, you could start in the Psalms or in Proverbs. Those are great places to start as well, is to just try to understand a little bit about God's nature and and how his love extends without limit to you. So my thought of the day would be my faith has been absolutely transformed in the last five years. That's not because God has changed. He is what he is. He will always be what he is. He's always been there. He's always been available to me. I just, my heart wasn't open to him to listen to him in a manner that allowed me to realize how I could, how my life could be changed by leaning on him and by growing my faith. And so tying that in with the challenge to spend some time with him is also to sit in the quiet of the day and, and listen and listen for something from him to help you change your life. So it's not just being involved. It's not just reading. It's not just uh, praying. It's just being and, and feeling God enter your life, let him into your soul and see what that does for you. So 
thank you if you made it this far. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to part of my faith journey. I, I hope it was valuable. I hope it had something along the way that, that gives you some hope for your faith journey. If you have any questions, feel free to engage with me online on the on Instagram at grow to amazing at our Facebook page, um, anywhere, call me, message me on Facebook. However you think if you've got questions, I'm happy to talk at any, at any point in the day that I'm available. I will pray and close this out. Lord, thank you for this day today. Thank you for this time to spend spreading your message to the world. I hope that the words that I had today were pleasing to you and that they touched one person uh, somewhere and help them along their faith journey as well. So I would just ask you to be with me as this day goes on. Give me strength and grace and love and just help me to make today a better day than yesterday to understand, you know, what my path in life might be as I walk this world and to just be a better husband, father, and son for all of my family and to just give grace and love uh, to those that I meet and to those that I interact with. But most of all, to just help me to find love for, for myself and grace and forgiveness and help me to walk a stronger path in life as I, as I walk this journey with you. We lift all this up in your name. Amen. Thank you.